Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Since the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and the pullout of U.S. troops in August of 2021, around 76,000 Afghan evacuees have come to the United States. Around 700 Afghans have been settled in Des Moines, around 250 in Cedar Rapids, and more in other Iowa cities and towns. There are many groups and individuals that have worked hard to assist these new Iowans. And this hour, we're going to focus on one group and one man's story. Later in the hour, I'll talk with Aaron Bell of Des Moines Refugee Support about the work they do and their Santa's Ride event coming up this weekend. But first, Shir Safi enrolled in the Afghan Armed Forces when he was only 16 years old. He served for many years, working in close partnership with American forces, reaching the rank of major before the collapse of the U.S.-supported Afghan government. He could not safely stay in Afghanistan after U.S. port forces pulled out, but in leaving, he had to leave everything that was most important to him behind. He lives in Des Moines now, and with the help of Des Moines Refugee Support, he's built a life dedicated to helping other Afghan evacuees. He's now attending the John D. Bright College at Drake University, and he's founded his own nonprofit. It's called Afghan Partners in Iowa, and he is with me now. Hello, Sheer. Hello, Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, thank you so much uh, for raising our voice and for inviting. Can you take me back to when you realized that it was not safe for you to stay in Afghanistan? When did you realize that you would have to leave the country? Uh, when they pull out the the America said we are our soldiers are leaving Afghanistan. And uh, I saw we don't had any support, even like the air support or ground forces support in Afghanistan anymore. And we were facing lack of ammunition and other supplies, which we need to keep battle in Afghanistan. And then I realized, like, we cannot stay here without the uh, U.S. support or other NATO forces because they left us suddenly uh, without giving any like uh, notice because uh, before that they they said the former administrations uh, they are leaving Afghanistan in 2014 but they didn't and this time I was still thinking like they will never leave because they they worked a lot they built the Afghan army and uh, forces uh, they built schools a lot of infrastructures in Afghanistan and they are not gonna leave all these worthy things in just a minute but they did and uh, I. I I couldn't believe until they like uh, they left everything uh, until last minute I was still hoping like they will not leave then I I found uh finally everyone left and I got message uh like uh, uh, the uh, president of Afghanistan also flee uh and no one is there to control or command the forces and I was alone in uh one of the Afghanistan city in southwest uh, Lashkarga city, and uh, I have to accept that like uh, they really left, and uh, we don't have anything like the the promise which we uh, did uh, with each others, like Americans and us. We will stay uh, with uh, we will stay along each others until death, but it wasn't right, and they left. 
so many people who knew that they were no longer safe in Afghanistan were not able to get out in this tumultuous evacuation. How were you able to leave? Uh, when they uh, left, uh, then uh, that time I I tried a lot of uh, phone numbers which I had from my American friends, but none of them, their phones were not working and no one was responding that time. I was injured as well. Then uh, one of my other friends who is... Uh, who was who was former marine soldier but uh, this time he was working with the New York Times and I got contact with him and told him like uh, that thing is going on and we, I don't have any contact how to get out because it's 100% uh, death for me by the Taliban and other terrorist groups in Afghanistan because I was doing the same thing to defend the Afghans and democracy in Afghanistan uh, I was fighting and killing them like they are not gonna forgive me this way he uh, knew some uh, officers uh, the uh, in the evacuation process uh, in Kabul airport and he made my contact with them uh, that uh, one of captain the marine captain captain Geoff Ball he helped me to uh, get out um, from Afghanistan when you were able to get out, you had to leave your family behind. Tell me about your family in Afghanistan. Yeah, my uh, family left behind um, because I don't had a minute uh, uh, to talk to them. Even I was on the um, uh, operations uh, in Lashkargah, and I didn't meet them like uh, two years. Even I was in Afghanistan, I couldn't meet them. It wasn't safe to leave the camp and go to home. Um, but uh, when I was leaving, I don't had any time to talk to them or tell them like what's going on, because um, my soldiers, a lot of my soldiers were killed and uh, injured in the battlefield, and uh, we don't had any minute to think about the family or uh, our documentation or other things, and uh, we have to leave like immediate evacuation, and this way. I left, and a lot of my soldiers and the people I knew, they left behind. Most of them, they've been uh, killed by the Taliban after they took over, and they said we uh, we have amnesty for everyone, but uh, that wasn't real. Uh, they're still killing the people and uh, reminding them. Uh, most of them, uh, they are in their custodies, and they, they are beating them and asking for the things they don't know. Is your family who is still in Afghanistan, do you feel like they are at risk because they are related to you? Uh, yeah, that's my family, and uh, they are in risk. Uh, there is no chance, like they will never forgive my family as well. Um, they are in a huge danger, and uh, they are still hiding in some point. And I wasn't able to get get any kind of help or support to get out my family. I um, tried to reach to all senators here and uh, resources I knew. Uh, I tried, but no one responded me yet. Uh, the uh, one of the our senator office, the Cindy Exney's office, they just respond me to help. They will help me to get them out. They helped me uh, a lot, and uh, but we still don't know the clear, uh, clearly like uh, 
are they going to be out of uh, that situation or not? But they are in a huge danger still. Okay. So when you arrived in the United States, you had left your family behind. You mentioned you were injured. Tell me what you were feeling when you flew from Kabul to Washington, D.C. Yeah, during the fleeing from uh, Kabul uh, to the Washington, D.C., I was very heartbroken and uh, hopeless, uh, very disappointed, and uh, the the way the evacuation was working, it wasn't uh, fair because the people who should come here and they didn't, and the people who should not come, they came. Um, the The process uh, wasn't clear uh, for the uh, Afghan forces. Uh, most of forces who were really involved in the operations and uh, really uh, sensitive uh, positions in Afghanistan, they are not being evacuated. And, uh, yeah, I, I flee with the millions of sorrows from Afghanistan. You chose to come to Iowa, and part of that choice was because you wanted to go somewhere where you didn't know anyone, where you could just be kind of lost because you were dealing with so much heartbreak at the time. And Iowa felt like that place to you? Yeah, um, I, I really want to go away from the people uh, to not hear back from my past I was very traumatized and heartbroken that time, and I decided uh, to come to go somewhere where no one knows me. Then I came to Iowa, and after my coming, like I was first who came to the Iowa, and after me, like after one week, a lot of other Afghans came, and I met them in a hotel, and I saw like again Afghans are here. And I still want to be far for everything, be to be far from everything, to not be involved in other and the things which remind me the past because it wasn't a really good memory. And then uh, something happened here, like one of Afghan came here, and uh, he didn't know how to cross the road here, and he tried to cross the road, and car hit him. He died, and I have to. Uh, find his family and uh, make connection this way. And it uh, took me back to be involved in those things. And I I started again working with the Afghans here. When you arrived, um, we know that so many Afghans arrived in the United States at around the same time and were placed in different cities around the country. And a lot of the refugee resettlement organizations were overwhelmed, and we know that things did not go very smoothly. And that's the story here in Iowa. So when you made it to Iowa, things were hard for a while. Uh, Tell me just a little bit about it. Okay. I came to the Washington, D.C. August 31st, 2021, and then after a few weeks, I came to the Iowa it was uh, October 7, 2021. Uh, I came to the one of the hotel by the one of resettlement agency called uh, Catholic Charities, and I was uh, staying in hotel that time. Um, the, since that time, I came to the Iowa. Uh, the experience which I had with the resettlement agencies it was uh, really awful, and 
it it wasn't helpful uh, very careless uh, treating by them and were disappointing by the resettlement agencies in 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 total and uh, when the other uh, afghans came with the other agencies uh, i thought maybe only catholic charities is this way but i found like all resettlement agencies the three of them they are in the same way and uh, they they have everything but they don't want to do anything so this is a very hopeless time and we're going to have to take a short break and we'll find out how you did get support and help in Des Moines and the work that you're doing. I'm talking with Sheer Safi, an Afghan who was evacuated from Afghanistan in 2021. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and CorridorAesthetics.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Sheer Safi is an Afghan who was evacuated from Afghanistan when the Taliban took over control of the country. He served for many years in the Afghan military and worked closely with U.S. forces. He is now living in Des Moines. He's enrolled in John D. Bright College at Drake University. He works with Des Moines Refugee Support, a nonprofit, and he's founded his own nonprofit, Afghan Partners in Iowa. And in a few minutes, Aaron Bell from Des Moines Refugee Support will join us as well. We'll talk about one of their large just annual giving events that's coming up this weekend. But uh, Sheer, I want to continue with your story. Uh, we left before the break at, at a really dark time when you got to the United States, when you got to Des Moines, you weren't getting the help that you needed. There was an influx of evacuees who arrived in Des Moines. And this has been well covered that a lot of refugees, a lot of evacuees did not get the help and support that they needed during that time. And and that was your story. You also mentioned how very foreign living in Des Moines felt to people from Afghanistan. Can you tell me a little bit more about the culture shock, what it was like for you to be here, trying to build a life in a culture that you were not at all familiar with? Uh, the culture and the uh, life living pattern is uh, uh, like a really big difference between Afghanistan and American life. The, um, the Afghan people, uh, their life is um, kind of binded with the, their tradition and uh, uh, some part uh, kind of their religion as well. Uh, most of Afghan living under their uh, traditional law uh, like they have uh, in their region in Afghanistan. When they came here, it was totally changed for them and they were not ready to uh, this big change in that short time um, because it takes time to be acclimated with that life and uh, get used to the westernized life. Um, people were struggling, uh, and uh, the uh, the only one uh, hope they had, they were like the they were just uh, resettlement agencies. Uh, they hoped like they will help them, but unfortunately, 
uh, it was wrong. The ex- expectation what uh, Afghans had from the resettlement agencies, uh, they never uh, could or help them or work them according to your uh, expectations. Uh, then uh, that was really dark time for the Afghans uh, when they came uh, earlier uh, in last year to the Des Moines or Iowa. Um, we, w- when I came here, like, uh, and I met some Afghans, the things happened uh, in very first uh, days. Uh, those were disgusting. And uh, then uh, some other Afghans who contacted me and said, like, we are coming to Iowa. I told them, don't come to Iowa. Uh, it's not like the agencies are not good and they're not, uh, you are not going to get anything. Uh, maybe go to other states and may, maybe the other agencies will be better to help you but don't come here. Then fortunately I met uh, Demand Refugee Support Team uh, um, in November 2021 and uh, uh, that team, amazing team. And after that, whoever called me because I had hope, I I got hopes from them like uh, we can live life here with some good people and they will help us. Uh, then I I talked to other Afghans to come here, and now we can uh, really be self-sufficient by the help of our friends here. Uh, after that, a lot of Afghans voluntarily uh, they uh, choose the Iowa for a life, and uh, since that day, uh, the life is changed here. Uh, we don't have uh, still we don't have any uh, much more expectation from the resettlement agencies because several times that happened we pointed them the challenges and the issues they never reached uh, them they just hear uh, from one year and took it out from other year they never heard like uh, and never tried to uh, solve any problem Um, now it's better and uh, I feel very disappointed that time. Uh, uh, the, the things they were doing with the Afghans, it was totally unfair. Uh, they don't had food, they don't had clothing. It was summer last year, uh, the winter, and uh, they don't had the, like a cloth for winter in here. And they were not helping them to get the, some warm clothes to live their life. They're just putting them in the very bad apartments uh, where no one will live and uh, they have to live there because that was only one option from the resettlement agencies. Hey, you have to live here. You don't have any choice. And uh, the place they took them for the work, they were not good and safe place to work. Uh, those were like the production companies just take them there like and working like a robot, don't provide them any chance to learn English and have their dream job. Uh, so, Safi, I, I want to ask you, and, and in a few minutes, I will bring in uh, Aaron Bell of Des Moines Refugee Support, which is a nonprofit organization, is not a, a resettlement organization. It's a, a nonprofit in Des Moines that provides support for refugees, just, just as it sounds. Um, can you tell me what this group was able to help you achieve, to help you build your life in Des Moines? Uh, first of all, the most of Afghans who were staying in the hotel, uh, they don't had food. And uh, unfortunately, like uh, uh, when I'm saying like uh, the people don't have food in America, it feels me really uh, bad uh, because America is a well-developed country and people have like uh, they know that America is the best country in the world. 
but uh, there here are some people who are guests and they don't have food uh, they demand refugee support first of all they provided food in hotels and uh, we were uh, i was i started working with them since november and uh, i remember every night until uh, 11 and 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning we were doing the food ride for the afghans in hotels which uh, that was a job of their settlement agencies to take care of food of their guests or their clients but they never and we were delivering food for them we were uh, the demand refugee support is providing uh, the clothing like the winter clothes for them and uh, the uh, afghans uh, as uh, i mentioned like afghan lives their life uh, like a much more their tr- according their tradition the women likes to wear their own uh, clothes like uh, they needs to sew clothes demand refugee support provided sewing machine and fabrics uh, and uh, that's brought some smile on their faces they saw like uh, they can make their clothes by themselves for them and uh, this way like uh, everything food clothing uh, i remember uh, the uh, one of the afghan women and a kid they were sick in hotel and uh, they when they were we were trying to call their agencies like a we called several times no one answered then I have to call 911 and take them to the emergency this way and uh, one of the uh, other afghan kid he had like a, a high a really high temperature fever and uh, his case manager wasn't answering his phone and uh, that little kid uh, his name is Musavir he got kind of the brain trauma because of that fever and not going to the doctor on time we took him to the doctor later but it didn't work and that kid is st- still struggling uh, this like, we have a lot of examples like uh, how much they've been careless and how demand refugee support helped us demand refugee support never gave us a boundary like we can help that thing they to they literally helped with everything like uh, kids were in uh, the families were living in hotel and no one was taking them like they were living in hotel for four or five months and no one was asking them about kids school are they going to school or not demand if we support provide the books and uh, notebooks laptops and other educational uh, necessities in the hotel to them and also uh, register them enroll them to the school uh, that's uh, one of the really really good thing i never forget like uh, uh, providing them the educational uh, uh, environment and uh, enrolling kids to the school um, the uh, adults like mom and dad of the families uh, they didn't know english and uh, there was a big need they have to learn english if they want to have a successful life in america they have to learn english then uh, demand refugee support helped us to enroll them in english classes and find rides for them to take them to the class and get them back to the hotel or their homes uh, they are all uh, home supplies when a resettlement agency is moving afghans to their apartment they were providing a bed and they were saying like hey here is a bed and you will live here when the afghans were asking like okay that's an empty apartment or house Uh, how we can live here we need like a uh, microwave we need a tv we need uh, uh, pens and pots and they were saying well that's a something you will 
uh, start working and you will buy these things. And that, that how you can tell someone who came from Afghanistan and tell them like you will work and buy everything. It's not that much easy. Like uh, how they can buy things, how they can uh, pay your uh, uh, the bills uh, and buy some other things. It's right, not only... Understanding the banking system, understanding how to get a job, understanding how to just navigate the the world and life here in Iowa. It sounds like it was just incredibly overwhelming. And before before we bring Aaron Bell into the conversation, Sheer, I, I want to talk about your future. I, I mentioned you have now founded your own nonprofit, Afghan Partners in Iowa. You have been partnering with Des Moines Refugee Support because of your wonderful language skills, you're able to help other Afghans make these connections and other skills as well, in addition to your language skills. Um, And you're also attending John D. Bright College at Drake University. First, tell me, tell me what you're studying. What are your hopes for the future? Uh, Yeah, the uh, my hope for now, like uh, my, my big part of my life is uh, Bright College uh, at Drake University. Uh, when I, uh, I started working for the Afghans here with the demand refugee support and uh, started things done for them, uh, then one day I remembered, like, uh, as, a, as a kid, I wa- sometime I wanted to go to college, and uh, I never had chance because I've been busy in the, uh, my military life in Afghanistan and fighting against the terrorism. Then I said, like, that's the time to uh, go to college. Then... I talked to my friend Erin Bill, uh, uh, then uh, she found the Bright College information for me and we went there uh, to get registered uh, for the classes and I started John D. Bright College. Uh, I was very tired, uh, hopeless, uh, heartbroken and injured soldier which really need uh, some uh, kind of peace and I found peace in Bright College. I I was very tired, and whenever I'm going to my class, I really feel peaceful, and I love it. It's amazing. Bright College is, uh, I would say, it's uh, like uh, the world's best place uh, oh. for someone who really want to find peace and who want to 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 find himself to not lose himself in in other environment. Like you can really find yourself in Bright. It's it's for everyone. I love it. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. And before before we run out of time, I want to ask you about some of the big challenges that you and other Afghans in the United States and Iowa still face. When you came to the United States, when you were evacuated, you received parolee status. And that does not guarantee a path toward citizenship or a path toward green cards. And there has been some political wrangling over what status all of these 76,000 Afghans who came to the United States should have. What are your concerns about the future? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we have a big concern for the future. Concern is that like our status is uh, humanitarian parolee and parolee is just for two years. Uh, that sounds like after two years, the people who don't get the green card or permanent residency, they will be deported. And it's clear like uh, they will be killed 100% by the Taliban. 
if they've been deported. And uh, we are, uh, I, me, myself and other Afghans, we are really worried about that situation. Like what will be the future? Uh, it's uncertain future. And uh, I, uh, I hope uh, the government and officials, they uh, focus on the, our lives here, like uh, to give us permanent residency otherwise like it would be better to uh, to deport them it would be better to kill them here not send them to being killed by the taliban because taliban will kill them like a very hard way but at least uh, the death here uh, will be something uh, like a easiest death than the afghanistan death so there there needs to be some sort of congressional action to make sure that the afghan parolees who are in the united states can yes. be safe. Yes, uh, the, some congressional uh, focus and support, because uh, the, here is like uh, Afghan adjust, uh, Afghan Adjustment Act is on way. There is a team who are uh, advocating for Afghan Adjustment Act. Uh, in that act, uh, uh, the uh, the two uh, big points are like uh, provide uh, permanent residency to the Afghans here and evacuate. Uh, other Afghans uh, who are uh, uh, who are, are in grave danger in Afghanistan. You are dedicating your time to going to school and to helping others. When you allow yourself to think about the future, what are your hopes? Uh, my hopes uh, for now is uh, I want to graduate from my school. Uh, I want and do uh, my bachelor in international relations. And uh, my uh, family uh, get evacuated from uh, from that uh, place because they are not safe. Uh, that's only um, a big hope of me for the future. Uh, and uh, as I get uh, graduate from my international relations uh, degree, then I would love to serve back uh, in uh, Afghanistan or any other countries which I have experience. And I can still work for the U.S. Uh, in any uh, corner of the world. Cher, I hope that, that those hopes come to be a reality in your future. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Oh, thank you so much uh, for giving me time. Shir Safi is an Afghan who was evacuated from Afghanistan when the Taliban took over control of the country. He served for many years in the Afghan military and worked closely with U.S. forces. He is now enrolled in John D. Bright College at Drake University. He works with Des Moines Refugee Support, and he has founded his own nonprofit, Afghan Partners in Iowa. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment with Aaron Bell, a coordinator for Des Moines Refugee Support. We'll talk about the work that they do and... Their biggest annual giving event, which is coming up this weekend, Santa's Ride. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Since the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and the pullout of U.S. troops in August of 2021, around 76,000 Afghan evacuees have come to the United States. Around 700 Afghans have been settled in Des Moines, around 250 in Cedar Rapids, more in other Iowa cities and towns. There are many groups and individuals that have worked hard to assist these new Iowans. This hour, we're focusing on one group and some so far, we've focused on one man's story, Sheer Safi. Now I want to bring Erin Bell into the conversation. She is a coordinator for Des Moines Refugee Support. You may also know her. She's quite high profile as Griff and Griff 2's mom. She's the live mascot director at Drake University. Her work with Des Moines Refugee Support is as a volunteer. And their biggest annual giving event, Santa's Ride, is coming up on Saturday. Hello, Erin. Hello, Charity. Thank you so much for being here. And Erin, uh, the, the way that Des Moines Refugee Support got started, it started very small, but I think it tells us a lot about what your group is trying to accomplish. So tell us a little bit about how this organization started a few years ago. Yeah, so um, a public school teacher, Allison Homan, um, started the organization, and uh, it kind of grew out of just a small effort to help uh, a couple families at her school. Um, she's she's an ELL teacher, former ELL teacher um, in Des Moines Public Schools, and she had a few families that were particularly struggling. Um, so she put a call out on her personal Facebook page asking for some support for these families around the holidays. Uh, and the response that she got um, allowed her to help a lot more than just those few families at that time. So um, clearly there was a desire to help um, this population. And so she just kind of rode the wave and it has snowballed into what it is today. And I, I, this hour we've been focusing on Afghan parolees or Afghan refugees, although they do not have official refugee status in the United States. Um, there are many other refugee communities in Iowa, from Congo, from Sudan, from many countries in Central and Southern America, and really all over the world. So um, you have been working with refugees from all over the world. Yes, that's correct. We have people from literally every corner of, of the world. And the way that the this grew, I, I can imagine from a public school teacher's perspective, seeing kids that maybe didn't have proper winter wear, but also kids who didn't have the same opportunities as their classmates. Des Moines Refugee Support does more than help families meet their, their basic needs. Tell me a little bit about the kinds of things that you do. Yeah, so our focus is on the children and on the um, up-and-coming generations. Uh, we try very hard to give these kids um, some of the same opportunities that U.S.-born kids tend to have more access to. So, um, for example, we have 45 kids playing organized soccer with Des Moines Soccer Club um, this past season, and uh 
you know, 45 kids, it's going to change those kids' lives. Um, it's something to look forward to. It's something positive to do in their spare time. Um, we also sent over 80 kids to a week of overnight summer camp, uh, another just classic American childhood experience that they otherwise would not have. Um, so we paid the fees. We we provided all of the clothing, all of the hygiene products, the swimsuits, the towels, all the things that they needed to go to overnight summer camp. Um, we had a number of kids uh, do swimming lessons this summer to make sure that they're safe in the water. Um we uh, we take kids trick-or-treating to a Halloween event that Drake University holds each year um, put on by the Student Alumni Association. Um, we take kids on college visits to, uh, you know, open their eyes to the possibility of going to college and pursuing a further education. Um, so, yeah, we do a lot of things to try to give these kids uh, normal, positive childhood experiences as a child growing up in the United States. You have also worked hard to make sure that the the families that you're helping have access to some of these difficult things to navigate in the United States. Sheer was talking about how difficult it is even to learn how to cross the street if you're from a very different culture. But one of the, the biggest barriers for a lot of families is getting a driver's license, learning to drive in this country and having access to a vehicle. Tell me what you do to help people with that obstacle. Yeah, so uh, transportation is a huge barrier. Um, everything we do, transportation is a struggle. Um, so the the Afghans, when they arrived here, they have been incredibly eager to be independent, to be self-sufficient. And one huge way to do that is to be able to get themselves places. Um, so they were very eager to get their driver's licenses, take the exams, um, go through that process. So we, uh, when they first arrived, there was no um, driving manual in their languages. Um, and so we were able to convert the driver's manuals into those languages um, and get those distributed to Afghans so that they could study and um, prepare themselves for those exams. And so we have seen a lot of success um, with with them passing the exams and also with purchasing cars. Um, so it has been pretty, pretty amazing to watch them uh, just take those steps to being self-sufficient. And then they, you know, if one person, if one family gets a car and their license, they, they are so, it's, it's, the community is so strong. Um, they are so eager to help out other families that might not have reached that point yet. So um, they are really just helping each other with um, the transportation at this point. Erin, I've been following Des Moines Refugee Support through social media. That's a place where you're very active on Facebook um, ever since, I think, ever since you got involved with the organization. And it has grown by leaps and bounds. And again, with this influx of individuals from Afghanistan, there has been this incredible need for growth. Give me an idea of how what you have been doing as part of this organization and, and what others have been doing has expanded just in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's pretty astounding, uh, the growth that has happened um, just since I got involved several years ago. Um, and actually, it was Santa's Ride, our upcoming event, that first got me truly involved in the organization. Um, but with the Afghan influx, the need was just had just skyrocketed. And we, we just had no choice but to, um, you know, scramble and try to 
try to meet the needs that we were seeing. So um, that's just what we've done. It It's very overwhelming. It's been a very, very difficult year, um, you know, 24-7 work. Uh, and it's all volunteers. So it's just people that really, truly care about about our fellow humans and um, helping them get settled here. So, um, but yeah, each each year our events that are annual, they just, they grow and grow and grow. Um, I think we had like 30 kids playing soccer last year and now we have 45 and we could easily enroll 200 kids if we just had the way to do it. But um, so, yeah, we just keep growing. And fortunately, we have a huge community of support that is behind us and steps up every time we ask. Um, So hopefully that that will continue to be the case. When you first got involved, I suspect you did not have any idea how involved you would become. I definitely did not. (laughs) Tell me about Santa's Ride. Yeah, so Santa's Ride is an annual event. Uh, It is a winter winter event that, um, you know, coordinate goes along with the holidays. But um, it started in 2016 uh, with um, Allison, the founder of our of our group, um, having a Santa go out to a few of the homes of her of her ELL kids and delivering things for them. Um, And then now with COVID, we were forced to go outdoors and uh, it has really transformed the event. Um, So this is our third year of doing Santa's ride outdoors, and we we have a San- we have Santa. Uh, he comes with us uh, to six different apartment complexes in the Des Moines area um, that we know house large numbers of refugees. And we take winter gear, we take hygiene products, new socks and underwear, um, and then also a, a bunch of toys for Santa to distribute to the kids at the event. Um, there's also clothing, um, things like boots and hats and mittens. Um, so we just really try to get people and these families ready for the winter um, because, as we know, Iowa winter can be pretty tough. Yeah, I can imagine. And I, I do need to ask you about the fact that Santa is involved in this because I would guess that the majority of families that you work with probably don't celebrate Christmas. That's not part of their religious tradition. And of course, Santa is not a religious figure, but he's affiliated with Christmas, which is a religious holiday. Do you have any concerns uh, about that, making sure that this is culturally appropriate and welcome for the families that you're working with? Yeah, so we we are a non-religious organization. We have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Um, We embrace everybody and where they come from and what they stand for, what they believe in. Um, Santa, is, like you said, is just kind of a holiday uh, holiday thing um, around the United States. So I think we can all get behind Santa um, no matter what religion we are from. We do, we do have um, Afghan dolls that we have had made. We have had people volunteer to custom make um, traditional clothing, including um, you know, the head head scarf and all that. So uh, we do hand those out. Santa hands those out. So yes, we absolutely uh, are here for all religions. And it is, um, we are not a religious organization. Erin, when you first started doing this, this was something where you thought you and your kids could be involved in it and doing something to give back to the community during the holiday season. Can you tell me about a moment that you experienced that led to your involvement becoming so much more? When did you realize how needed this was? Uh, Honestly, it was right from the start uh, with Santa's Ride uh, a few years ago. Um, 
we had collected all of the things that were distributed for that event. And so when we actually got to see the people that that they would be going to, um, I think that's when I knew there was no turning back. Um, but yeah, every day with this organization, it is it's inspiring. Um, it's it's just a really unique group of people that uh, there's no ulterior motives. It's we're not funded by the government. We're not funded. Uh, we're purely funded through donations, and we've just started getting some small grants. But um, I just feel really fortunate to be a part of this group and with a commitment to the people. And our sole purpose is to help alleviate some of the stresses that this population faces as they resettle here. Um, I guess I feel really incredibly fortunate to have been born in the United States, to have, uh, you know, roots here and opportunities here. And it is just my hope that we can we can help other people realize those things as well. Can you tell me, you have so many stories, but can you tell me one story that stands out in your mind where you really did get to feel like you were making a difference in someone's life? Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, I'm sitting across the table from from my good friend Safi here, um, and I just I feel like we this organization has truly helped lift him up and support him. And in turn, he has spread that tenfold to the Afghan community here. Um, And we are all very lucky to have Safi and all of the other Afghan refugees living among us as our neighbors now. Santa's ride is taking place on Saturday, and you have been collecting items for Santa's ride for a long time and organizing those items, getting ready to make those deliveries on Saturday. You've also been looking for volunteers to help out with the event on Saturday. Are you still looking for volunteers? Absolutely. Yes, this is a huge undertaking. It is logistically, uh, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts. um, And we definitely would love to have any additional help um, that that anybody wants to give. All right. And so if somebody does want to help and get involved with either donations or with their volunteer hours, how do they find information? Yeah. So our Facebook page is our main way of communicating at this point with with our volunteers. Um, and pinned at the top is a link to our link tree, which has literally everything about the organization and all the ways that you can help. Um, There's a sign up genius. Even if you don't sign up, just show up. We would love to have you. Can you, I I don't want to ruin any surprises for Saturday, but uh, you have been very involved in organizing all of the things that, that will be delivered to families and children on Saturday. Are there any things that you're particularly excited about this year? Oh, you know, it's always the most fun to see the kids get their toys from Santa. Um, we've we've been sharing different sales and deals that that people can take advantage of, and we've received a lot of those items in the mail. Um, yeah, I think just seeing the kids receive those gifts from Santa is pretty darn special. You mentioned the the dolls, and that there have been volunteers who are sewing traditional Afghan clothing to put on the dolls so that, again, these are are dolls that children can see themselves in. You've worked really hard to make sure that the gifts that you're giving reflect the identities of the children who are receiving them. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So we, um, we, 
we love to receive um, Barbies that are Barbies of color, not white skin. Um, those are always very popular. Um, the Afghan dolls that we have been working on, uh, we've been distributing those to the Afghan families that have been been arriving um, since oh, probably last winter. We started doing that. Um, so yeah, it's we we really try to be culturally sensitive and make sure that the kids see themselves uh, represented in the things that we give them. Um, we also have a Santa that is not white this year, which is also very exciting, um, and we think that's important as well. And lots of books in addition to toys, right? Yes, lots of books. Yes, books that uh, have you know children of color in them and. Um, Yes. So lots of books of that nature as well. Do you feel ready for Saturday? I think we're as ready as we're going to be. We've got a lot of lot of clothes sorting to do still, but we are chipping away with, away at that every day. And and what what does it feel like for you? You only have about 30 seconds left, but I, I'm sure that the volunteers get as much out of this event as the people who are on the receiving end. Absolutely. Yeah, it, this is a really great event. It's a great day. Um, it's all positive. Um, and yeah, it's we are so lucky. We are so lucky to have the lives that we have here. Uh, and I can't imagine my family being uprooted um, from my country and dropped somewhere else with a completely different culture. It would be incredibly difficult. And the least we can do is welcome them and help support them as they get started here. Erin Bell, thank you. Thank you so much. Erin Bell is a coordinator for Des Moines Refugee Support. You can find out more about the organization on Facebook. Search for Des Moines Refugee Support. And they are still looking for donations and volunteers for their Santa's Ride event coming up this weekend. There are organizations all over the state of Iowa that are working hard to help people throughout the year. And, of course, during the holiday season, there are organizations in your community that could use your support as well. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe.